Well, I must confess I'm looking forward to uh, ministering this uh, series that I touched upon last week and, um, and after sharing it and, and uh, Christ Manifested is the series that we're looking at and we did, it's only going to be a short series but we're looking at um, uh, various aspects or the reality because when it comes to the heart of the gospel when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, the, we, must, we must see Jesus. And we looked in our text last week where Jesus said himself that if we would abide in him, if we would love and obey him, then he would manifest himself to us. And that, that they were, and he, he said, our, well, or we, meaning the Father, Son, Spirit, we would make our home in Him. And so there is such a glorious reality to the gospel this morning. You see, what we're trafficking, what we're dealing with, is not just an intellectual concept. Even though we talk about the mind and all of those things, we're talking about the reality of Jesus Christ and God Himself. And that's why I'm so enamored with the truth of the um, scripture, that, oh, actually not scripture, the, the, the quote that I shared with you last week concerning the old um, um, uh, man of God named John Fletcher, who in his letters uh, to an individual basically made the point, and I agree wholeheartedly, that it is our saviour, it is our saviour's intention, desire to reveal and to manifest himself, listen, to all of his sincere followers. Now note the words, sooner or later. <laughs> Whether it, when it is, I cannot tell, but this truth I can declare to you this morning with utter confidence that Christ can, will, and does manifest himself to individuals and to all of his sincere believers. Because as we love him and serve him and seek him and through the trials and tribulations of life and the crises of life, as we draw near to him, cry out to him, the reality is, is that we, he comes in such a real way and we and this is why i'm using the phrase we experience god we experience god and now as i said in the climate that we live in today we have to define that because such a, a phrase is used so flippantly now you know uh, people think that they that they're experiencing god but they're just experiencing the realm of the soul and the flesh and the emotions with all that's going on in the manufactured churches today with all that they're dark you know we'll make it dark we'll get the spotlights you know, fl flaring and the strobe light strobing and all the rest of it, and we can feel good. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? And I'll make that clear again because I tell you, I despise that. I got saved from that. I came out of the nightclub scene, and now they've got the nightclub scene in the church. I experienced the reality of Jesus Christ. I didn't need some man made, manufactured environment to make me feel God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about experiencing the reality of Jesus Christ this morning. And so, as we seek to establish this, uh, we establish, you may recall, the basis of uh, what we call, or what the Bible would refer to as spiritual senses. In the same way we have natural senses to see, to hear, to taste, to smell, and to touch. That connects us to the natural world that enables us to experience the natural world in the same manner spirit, the spiritual counterparts of that are referred to throughout scripture and they are those things which enable us to connect to the spiritual world to experience the reality of Jesus Christ and so this is such a glorious truth and so the question I ask this morning, has Christ manifested himself to you? Can you stand here and say, he has manifested himself to me? Because that's his promise, to reveal himself. Because he promised he would, as we looked at last week. And so I want to consider with you the first um, 
spiritual sense, and that is that of sight. Sight. I know I've got glasses. <laughs> and that's what people are like a bit spiritually, you know. <laughs> we need some 2020 vision spiritually, praise the Lord. But um, we're looking at a spiritual sense of sight, and we're going to look at it in, uh, well, we're just going to use it as a proof text, really, um, John chapter 9, so you can turn there in your Bibles. Gospel of John chapter 9. But I want to make a statement, and, uh, that, uh, and I'll establish it as we go along as well, but to see God, if, you were, if we were to define it as well, to see God is to know God. Okay, I want you just to have that thought rest in your heart. To see God is to know God. And we'll see how that connects itself in the Scriptures because it is a profound statement and it is true. And when we talk about seeing God and we talk about knowing God, they are intrinsically connected because it, because it's a, it's it's that when you, you if you've seen God you know God, and this is what we see in the scriptures, and uh, throughout the the various uh, teachings of Jesus and the Gospels and the, the epistles and the whole Bible itself. But you see, the Bible's clear this morning. We can listen see God. Now you know I don't mean physically, right? Although Christ could, if he wanted to, appear physically. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this morning, the spiritual sense that we can see God. And this truth that we're going to look at, has I'm going to look at it in two, um, in two aspects. I want to separate it into two aspects. And that is that we would see God as our saviour. In terms of our salvation, uh, if, a, if a person is not saved, they have no understanding of God, they, they are ignorant, they are blind, and all of these things that we'll see in the Scriptures, then when they, for the first time, have a revelation, they see Jesus for who He is and His self-sacrifice and the cross and the salvation of God. That is equals salvation where a person's eyes are opened. And then there's the second aspect that I want to look at, uh, and that is our relationship uh, with God. Seeing Him in a more deeper, in a more complete, in a more deeper, and a more uh, com uh, um, um, broader uh, way as we grow in our knowledge of Him. And so let's start when we'll read our text in... The Gospel of John, chapter 9. Allow the Word of God to speak to us this morning. Now, Jesus is speaking. I'm just going to read one text. We'll look at it briefly. But Jesus is speaking here to the religious leaders of his day. And he says in verse 39... But keep your Bibles open, but we'll just read verse 39, but we're going to look at some other scriptures here. He says these words, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. Now look at that. That's a pretty paradoxical statement those that do not see may see and those who do uh, those that who see may be made blind now let's obviously just uh, this is not an exposition of chapter 9 and because there's a this is a wonderful portion of scripture that you can read in your own time but we we are establishing this in a topical sense but here in this particular text, in this particular chapter, in this particular story, we establish a principle, foundation of seeing God. And Jesus uh, uh, utilizes an experience, an encounter with a blind man. If you read the whole chapter, Jesus uh, heals a blind man. And this man was born blind, and Jesus does a miracle. His eyes, he can see now, for the first time, his eyes are open to the reality of the natural world. 
He performs a mighty miracle, and the emphasis behind the miracle finds its expression in verse 35 to 41, where Jesus teaches a spiritual lesson out of that physical and natural healing of this man born blind. And as he heals this blind man and he makes him see, he makes this statement that we read in our text. Now, look at verse 35. It says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. That is the guy that, that they, Jesus had healed. The Pharisees and the religious establishment got so angry, you know, that they, uh, uh, because a miracle that testified of the glory of Christ. And so they got angry with him and they cast him out. And they rejected his testimony, but yet previously it was confirmed that he was born blind. And so... It says Jesus heard that they had cast him out, the blind man who, had now, who now sees. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. Now, this man's not only just receiving uh, his physical sight, in which he is, but he's seeing much more than that. He is seeing for the first time that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. God has revealed himself to him, not in the physical sense in that he's looking at Jesus physically, but in the spiritual sense of his identity and who he is, God incarnated in the flesh. And so as a result of this glorious miracle of healing, this glorious miracle of salvation and in which he believes and worships Jesus, verse 39, which is our text, says, For judgment I have come into this world. And notice what he says, that those who do not see may see. This is the example of this blind man that has, made, has, has received his sight. But not physically, we're talking now spiritually. Because he says these words, that those who see may be made blind. So part of the judgment, for, you know, we talk about Jesus came into this world to save sinners, to seek and save the lost, which he did. But he says, for I've come for judgment and that judgment included uh, uh, himself in that he uh, bore God's wrath in Calvary and he was sacrificed for our sins and that paved the way for our salvation, for our eyes to be opened about who he is and what he has done. But he says, to the, he says these words, the second part of his, this judgment is to, to make those who see blind. Now think about that. And the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, were, were pricked in their heart when they heard this statement. They kind of sensed where Jesus was going with his comment. Now look at verse 40. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words. And they said to him, are we blind also? See, they're, they're, they're tuning in to what he's saying, what he means. Now we're not talking physically anymore. They're asking him a question related to his statement. And so he says, the Pharisees uh, who claim to see, they say to Jesus, are we blind? And Jesus said to them in verse 41, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Now again, this is, think about this. Jesus is comparing ignorance to the ignorance of God to blindness. And he's saying in this sense that blindness is not a judgment in the sense where the, um, he says, uh, let me read it, he says, if you were blind, you would have no sin. So you wouldn't be, be condemned because you're in a blind state. You can't see. It's pretty factual, right? But he says, because... You claim to see, you say we see. He says, therefore your sin remains. 
And now that's a scary statement because we're living in a world this, this morning where so many claim to see. There's so much religion in the world that we live in. There's so much false religion. And, then, and this one claims to see. This one claims to see. And this one claims to have special revelation. And this one claims to have secret knowledge. And this one claims this and sees that. And everyone's claiming to see. And you know what? They're all blind. They're all blind to the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ. And because they claim to see, but it's not according to truth, the fact remains, as Jesus says, they, they rem- their sin remains. That is, they remain in their sins. They're not forgiven. They may claim to be, they may profess to be, but if they don't believe according to truth, then you cannot be saved. If you're going to receive forgiveness of sins, if you're going to receive Christ as Saviour, you must worship God in spirit and in truth. You know, what's interesting is that Jesus is saying to these Pharisees and to the religious establishment who's representing God, who claims to see, he says, you guys are all blind. And that's how it is pretty much today. But let's go a step further here. Because Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and it goes back to John chapter 8. You can turn, go over to John chapter 8, turn page back and look at verse 37. Jesus says to the Pharisees, he says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father. Now, Jesus is saying, the words that I speak is based on the knowledge of the truth. And he says, I'm speaking those things which I have seen with my father. He says to the Pharisees, he says, you're seeking to kill me and to destroy me because you are operating and functioning on the basis of whom you have seen. That is your father. And then they say, well, our father is God. Our father is Abraham. But look at verse 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil. Oh, that's who they're seeing. (laughs) I mean, think about it. They're they're, they're blind. They think they see. They think they have sight. But like Paul the Apostle said, Satan comes uh, um, as an angel of light to deceive. And that's what he does with all the various false teachings and false uh, religions that are out there proclaiming all of these so-called truths, but they have no knowledge. They are blind in their sin, and their sin remains. And they are of their father, the devil. And they have, that's who they have seen. That's who Jesus says, I'm speaking according to whom the father whom I've seen. You're speaking according to the father you have seen, and your father is the devil. That's offensive. But that's the truth. They are heavy words. In fact, he says in verse, um, he says in verse three, why do you, uh, verse forty three there of chapter eight? He says, "Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning." And does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. You see, the knowledge that they had was not from God. They claimed to see, but they were blind. And so the reason why their sin remains is, you know why? Because they don't have a heart for truth. Notice that the, the man that was born blind that has been healed, he sees Jesus, he falls down on his feet and he worships him. And the Pharisees and the religious establishment, they're so outraged at the miracle. They're even outraged at the guy that was, was healed. And here it is, he's born blind, he sees, and they're, all they're concerned about is themselves. So they cast him out of the synagogue and kick him out, even after he's been, it's been testified that it's, he was born blind. And that's the nature of what we're dealing with. 
They have, but you see, where there's sincerity, where there's a sincere heart for God, then, and this is what John uh, Fletcher was emphasizing, and it's what the Bible emphasizes, then you begin to see who God is. That's why God said to Nathaniel, he says, uh, uh, when Andrew, I think it was, uh, brought Nathaniel to Jesus, Jesus says, here's a man in whom is no guile. And then he, Jesus says uh, something to him, and he, and he says, uh, oh, you're the, you're the Savior, you're the God, um, you know, the Savior who's to come. Why? Because that sincerity and purity of heart, he also helps uh, pave the way for the God to reveal himself and manifest himself to us. And so, so many claim to see God in the world around us, but the truth is, is that they are blind and Christ has not, listen, has not manifested himself to them. That's the condition of the religious world around us. And it's also the condition of the world around us. Let's read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. Paul the Apostle, he writes, and he says, For even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. There's the word blinded. We're looking at sight. Has blinded. Who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. In other words, they are blinded. The God of this age has blinded the minds. Not the eyes, but in a spiritual sense, yes, he's blinded their spiritual eyes to understand the reality of who God is. Their minds are blinded. Unless the light of the gospel, which is the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should what? Shine upon them. In other words, should penetrate. That their eyes would be opened. You know, isn't it interesting? When I first became a Christian, when Christ came and revealed himself to me, my eyes were opened. I saw him and I was convicted of my sin. And I remember becoming a Christian and I repented and I turned away from my sinful lifestyle and those things that offend. And you know what? I had friends around me and said, oh, you've seen the light. <laughs> you've seen the light. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have. I've seen the light. So the world uses it in a derogatory way. But to the one who has their eyes opened, to the one who's now seeing the reality, it's all real. And you're like, can't you see it? And they're like, no. Why have my eyes opened? Because the light of the gospel is shining and penetrating. And, and, and you are, the darkness is being... Uh, uh, when the light shines, the darkness doesn't comprehend it, but we see Christ. Paul the Apostle spoke about the gospel that he preached, and in Acts 26, verse 18, he's speaking before King, and he uh, talks about the God's purpose for his life, and he says that God has sent me to open their eyes, talking about the Gentiles, to open their eyes. In order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. To open their eyes. That's the whole purpose. Paul said, God sent me to the Gentiles to preach the gospel to open their eyes. That they would see. You know, when... when, 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 uh, when when Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he said, who do the men say that I am? And they said, oh, some say you're Elijah the prophet or you're one of the prophets that's come back. And then, but then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And in Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. In other words, Peter, you didn't come to an intellectual rationalization that I was the saviour. No, it wasn't based on your intelligence. Because we're all dumb. We're all blinded. Unless God opens your eyes, unless the light of the gospel shines, unless God reveals who he is and manifests himself to you, we're all groping in the dark. 
But yet, to open their eyes. I remember the day when my eyes were open, church. Oh, wonderful it was. So this is the principle of salvation this morning and how Christ manifests himself as the saviour. And to see God is to know God. When your eyes are open and you see him, it's my word that abides in you. And you, the knowledge of God and the understanding of God enables you to see God. And so we have that aspect this morning. Turn with me. I want to look at the second part in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, in verse 9, Paul is writing his letter to the Corinthians. And he says in verse 9, But as it is written, now listen to this, I has not seen, he's talking physically, right? I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now he says in verse 10, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. He's revealed them. He's opened our eyes. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received, we, sorry, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. See, eye is not seen. But you see, to the spiritual sense, there's sight. There's an opening of understanding. The Spirit searches. The Spirit manifests. The Spirit teaches. The Spirit guides. The Spirit reveals. Those things that have been given to us freely by God. The deep things of God. That's what I want. Amen? When I first become a Christian, the Bible says, you know, as a newborn babe, desire the pure milk of God's word that you may grow. But you know what? You can't be 20 years on and still be drinking from a bottle. You need to eat some meat. You need to get into the deeper things of God because there's so much more. We're just touching the surface when we get saved. We've just come to a revelation of Christ. But as you go deeper into him and as you walk with him and as you walk in fellowship and relationship, the depths of God, the glory of God. I'm 30 years down that pathway and, I, and the deeper I go, the more shallow I feel. You see, God has revealed them. That word in the Greek, reveal here, in verse 10, it means to, to, to disclose, to take off the cover. Oh, God. You know, if you don't have a heart for God, sincerely seek him, then that cover stays on. That's why some Christians, they don't grow in their knowledge of God. They remain infants for, for a period of time that's prolonged, that's not healthy, that's not good. And why isn't God disclosing things? Because that's what the Bible says that he does. The Spirit of God discloses. It takes the cover off, enables us to go and see more. And if you're not seeing more, well, why? It's, not, it's because you've got to get into the Word. And into the Word, this is where the, God, the Lord opens your eyes, enables you to see. You know, the word here also in the Greek means to know. And it means, it says to see, literally or figuratively. And, when we, and when, we, when we talk about seeing this morning, we're talking figuratively. Seeing spiritually, with our spiritual eyes. And some could even say, that is literal, amen. <laughs> because that's truth, that's real, that's reality. You know, Christ manifested himself to Paul the Apostle 
in salvation. Do you remember Paul's conversion? He was on the road to Damascus. In fact, he's exactly the person that Jesus was referring to. He says, there are those that claim to see and, they, and therefore their sin remains. And there are those that are blind and I've come to open their eyes. Paul was blind. But Paul said, and he persecuted the church of God. And he said, but I did it ignorantly. But you see, God had a time where he was going to manifest himself to Paul. And Paul was on that horse on his road to Damascus to persecute the Christians and lock up the believers. And then here it is, he's smitten and knocked off that horse and Christ reveals himself and manifests himself to him right at that moment. And you know what happens to Paul? God blinds him. He might be blind physically, but spiritually his eyes have just been opened. And that's how it works. And that's how God illustrates it. So he blinds Paul for three days. But I tell you what, the revelation that what Paul saw in those three days and beyond was, was his spiritual sight. He was no longer blind. He could see the Lord. And he began to preach Christ immediately. The scripture says that he was the Christ because he saw him. Christ had manifested himself to him. And when Christ manifests himself to you, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to tell somebody. He's real. Jesus is real. I go, what's wrong with you? You've gone crazy. And, uh, but you're like, no, he's real. I've seen the Lord. They're like, whoa. That's what happened to me when I got saved. I saw Jesus and, uh, and my life was radically changed. And all of a sudden, people got really concerned about me. But when, uh, before that, while I was on my drugs and living my life, everyone was like, see you later, buddy. No one was that interested. But now I'm talking, I can see, I've seen Jesus. This guy's crazy. He's gone crazy. <laughs> I was crazy. Now I'm in my right mind. So you can see it here in the texts and in the scriptures. And Paul the Apostle not only had Christ manifest in salvation, but Paul the Apostle grew in his knowledge of God. In fact, it is Paul that was the apostle to the Gentiles. It's Paul that wrote so much of the epistles of the New Testament. And you know what Paul tells us in, in the book of Galatians? He says, he says, nobody taught me this. He says, I didn't receive the... Because I went to Arabia and I was there for three years. I had no contact with the apostles. I had no contact with these individuals. But he, I, I sought God. And God, he said, I, the, the revelation, the understanding, the gospel. He says, the gospel that I preach was not taught to me by man, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because Paul's eyes were open. He began to see things in the Old Testament. And because remember, there wasn't a New Testament in those days. He didn't read the New Testament. We read the New Testament to see, right? Because we have that now. But in those days, the New Testament wasn't written. He was reading the Old Testament and he saw something in the Old Testament that we think... Ah, the Old Testament, that's old, done and dusted. I tell you, the gospel was born out of the Old Testament. And the, and the, the deeper I go in as, as a Christian, the more my eyes get open to the realities of the Old Testament and the Bible itself as a whole book. And that's why some people don't, don't like to refer to it as old. It's just that the, old is, is con, uh, the new is concealed in the old and the old is revealed in the new. And the more you understand the two, they marry together. And the more your eyes are open to it, the more glorious it becomes. Because your eyes are open. So Paul says that it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And surely this is the reason why Paul prays a prayer in, when he writes to the church in Ephesus. And Ephesians chapter 1, which is a familiar portion of text, but let's read it for, in the context of our... We're talking about spiritual senses and sight. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. He says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your love for all the saints... Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He's praying for the church, the believers. What's he praying? Look at verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, 
may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse 18, the eyes, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you may know. To see God is to know God. And the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and so forth. The eyes of your understanding. You know, church, this is, the, this is what it comes down to. That God, that's why Jesus said, I'm going to send to you my spirit. And the spirit leads, guides, teaches and leads us into truth. We have an anointing that teaches us. That's what was, I remember years ago, come, you know, there were people traveling around looking for this anointing, looking for that anointing, and this and that, and wanting to give me an anointing. And I said, I have an anointing. I don't need someone to lay hands on me to get an anointing. I have an anointing, and I have a spirit who teach, the spirit who teaches me, who's opened my eyes. And opens the eyes of my understanding. It gives me spiritual sight. You know the word, <coughs> the eyes of your understanding here in Ephesians. That word, I, open the eyes of your understanding. That word understanding is the word in the Greek. Listen, I don't know how to pronounce it, but photos, we get the word photo from it, but it's, it's photosai. Fatozo, whatever it is, I don't know. Sounds like fatai. More like... <laughs> what is it? Fatizo. There you go. Fatizo. <laughs> now, the reason why I point that out is not being in this position and look like a dum-dum. But we do understand the word photo, right? As, as in the English... Because the word means to shed rays, to shine, to brighten up, to brighten up, to illuminate, to enlighten, to make, to see. And that's, you know, when you, we talk about a photo, because, you know, you have a camera and it captures the light when it clicks and then it prints it onto the thing and then it goes through a process and we get a photo and we go, I mean, now it's all by you know, iPhones and all the rest of it. But this is how it used to be, right? And it would go through a process and then you'd get your photos. And then it was like, wow, I see, it's a photo. And so it's like that's how it is when it comes to the gospel and, and to the revelation of Christ and him manifesting himself to us. He opens the eyes of our understanding and all of a sudden you get a glimpse and you see something of him. You learn something about him. You experience him in such a way and your eyes are opened. And, that, and what gets deposited, listen to this, what you see cannot be unseen. Because when God manifests, it burns itself into the soul. Oh, you can deny, you can say whatever you want, that happens. But I tell you, you'll never forget it. And we have the word in English, photosynthesis. The word is photo meaning light, and synthesis means to be put together. And when the eyes of our understanding are open, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's, he's building us up. He's maturing us. And we're growing into Christ. And we're growing into the fullness of, the, of Him and whom we are complete in. It's glorious, church. And this is the whole reality of our relationship and walking with God is that Christ manifests himself to us. I can tell you now, the times that Christ has manifested himself to me have been, in some instances, I've been at the, my wit's end. I've been in the most desperate of circumstances. You know what? It didn't get up and walk out the door and say, ah, oh, that's it. It drove me to my knees and see God. But God met with me time and time again in the most special ways. And I'm sure you can share your own testimony and your own experiences because they're unique to you because that's where your eyes were opened to something deeper about God, something more special about his nature, experiencing his love, experiencing his gentleness, his peace, or whatever it is in your life. And so... We can see how Christ manifested is connected to the spiritual senses. And can I say this? We walk by faith and not by sight, the Bible says. 
you know, when, when, when the world hears that statement, they say, yeah, that's because we walk by faith and not by sight, as if somehow faith means that we don't, we don't see. But that's not what it means, is it? When the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight, it means we don't walk by literal physical sight. We walk by faith. But you know what? Faith sees. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. Evidence? Of things not seen. So faith is not some eerie something. Oh, I believe, I believe it out there. No. Faith sees. Faith possesses. Faith owns. And has the deepest conviction of the reality because you have seen. That's what faith is. We walk by faith, not by sight. That's why Paul says it. Faith is stronger than sight. You know, did not the heroes of faith have this testimony? Look at Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but, listen, but having seen them afar off. And they were assured of them. They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They said, we're not of this world. We're living for the next one. Our eyes are opened. And they hadn't even received the fullness of their inheritance yet. In the same way, to a degree, we haven't. And so we too, like them, we see the invisible, Paul says. We see, and therefore, we, it, that's what drives us. Faith sees. It drives us. It motivates us. Having seen them, that's why they were the heroes of faith. They saw something that the world around them at the time couldn't see. And we as God's people, we see something that the world around us does not see. And that's how glorious it is, church, the eyes of faith. See, is this your experience this morning? Because if it's not, it should be. If it's not, it must be. You see, this is why I said last week when we talked about spiritual senses of sight. You know, sleep, I use the phrase sleepy Christians. Because when we go to sleep naturally, we, our senses are dulled. We can be dull in our spiritual senses for various reasons. And God help us. But uh, Paul, uh, sorry, Peter, uh, in his epistle, let me touch on this. Just bear with me. I, in 2 Peter, there's so much I could cover in all of this. But, um, but in 2 Peter chapter 1, and in verse 5, he says, But for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. He's talking about spiritual growth. And to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who lacks these things is short-sighted. He who lacks these things is short-sighted. I'm short-sighted naturally. Oh God, let me not be short-sighted spiritually. You don't, want to, you don't want to live as a Christian and have, you know, some spiritual eye condition <laughs> that you're short-sighted. No, I want 20-20 vision. I want to see. I want to see God. I want to see the depths. I want to see the reality. And he says, he lacks these things. He's short-sighted even to blindness. That's, the potential exists. Yes, it does. To Christians. And it's forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. You see, we're to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith this morning. And again, as I t was thinking about this aspect and this, having the short-sightedness, even to blindness, I couldn't help but just, again, and I've said it before, but it just comes to my mind, especially in the modern church age that we're living in, the Laodicean church. Because you know what the Laodicean church claim was? We can see. They said, oh, we are rich beyond measure. Our eyes are open. We see Jesus. And yet the Bible says 
Jesus rebukes them and he says that they're naked and he says to them that they are blind. They're blind. They think that they're saying, so their sin remains. And they're being rebuked and chastened by God for it. And then uh, Jesus instructs them, and listen to this, he says, uh, you need to get eyesalve and you need to anoint your eyes so that you can see. So in other words, uh, uh, the reason why Jesus used that analogy is because they were able, the church, the, the Laodicean, city of Laodicea was known to produce um, an eye cell for the eyes, an ointment that was very effective in, 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 uh, in, in for eyesight and so forth. And so when Jesus said to them to, to they needed eye self, they needed to be corrected because they're, they're, they're blind, their vision is not right. And so, um, and so they, in order to have that eye self, you could say, is a, again, it's, we need the Spirit of God. We need Christ to open our eyes to reveal himself afresh to us. That's why Jesus even said to them, um, uh, he said to them at the end of chapter 3, you've heard, I stand at the door and I knock. He's on the outside of the church. Christ is not manifested in that church. He's not there in that sense that they, are, they think he's there. They think their eyes are open, but they're, they're spiritually blind. This can happen to churches. This can happen to individuals. And so, but if they open the door, what's the promise? Christ manifest. Christ will manifest. He says, I'll come in and I'll sit down. I'll dine with you in fellowship. That's revelation coming into that knowledge of God. You see, again, I asked the question this morning, have you seen the Lord? Do you know? To see God is to know God. Jesus said himself, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. See God. You know that word see there in the Greek is interesting because it means to gaze upon with eyes wide open. You know, when it says see God, it's not like a glimpse. You know, was that him? Was that... You know, not, it's, not a, it's not a quick glimpse. The word to see God there means to gaze with eyes wide open, like, whoa. And when you see God in this manner, when your eyes are open in this way, how wonderful it is, church. Don't you, if you, I mean, I'm sure there's many here that can relate to what I'm saying, but there's some I'm sure that don't. And this is, this is the promise to you. Christ will manifest himself. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the King of Kings. Behold, behold, behold. That word behold means again to stare at. And in the Hebrew it carries an even stronger emphasis. It means to experience. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Have you seen the Saviour? Behold the King on a cross. Have you seen the king on the cross and how he died for your sins? Behold the cross. Behold the, the lamb. Have you beheld his glory? The Bible says, behold your king that is coming on a donkey in such a, a suffering servant, a humble, as a lamb that was led to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. When you see the love of God, when you see the character of Christ, when you see the sacrifice of Christ and your eyes are open to these truths, you behold the glory of God. The Bible says, behold, he's coming on the clouds. Behold, he's coming. And so, I recall when my eyes were first opened, and I, said, and I remember reading books along the way. I've said it before. When I saw him, we would see Jesus. This is why one author, Roy Hessen. These truths are just so glorious, church. And I, I remember when my eyes were opened. You know, my eyes were opened to the reality of Jesus Christ when I was in a drug-induced state. I say that honestly. And no, it wasn't hallucinating. I wasn't on heavy drugs or anything like that. But that's when he opened my understanding. That's when he manifested himself to me. 
And you know, that was for salvation. But I can relate to these, the two principles that I've touched upon. And as a Christian over the years, I remember going through inner turmoil as I was seeking God and concerning issues and circumstances um, in my own life and in the church and uh, his church at large. And I remember wrestling and agonizing over so many things. And I remember one day I was in prayer. And as I was just on my knees with my head in the couch, I, I, I've had one vision as a Christian. And that vision was this, that I, I was standing there and a crow landed on my head and plucked out my eye. You know, I didn't eat pizza for breakfast, okay? <laughs> and then another crow came and plucked out my own eye. And it's like, it's like it, it, my, I was mindful of what I was seeing, but it's, you know, it's weird to see that. But I clicked immediately that it was a vision. And that because I was in such a place of turmoil and at a crossroad and I was seeing things in the scripture that were causing me and moving me in a certain direction and to hold certain convictions that were going to cost me and affect me. And, uh, but yet, but I was not, the enemy would want to take those things away from me. He would want to blind me or take, you know, make me short-sighted. But God was revealing things to me and I was seeing things in his word and he was opening my understanding. And so Christ manifested. And so why I share these things to, uh, from the word in my own experience because I tell you, and, and you have yours, but I say this, if you, if you don't, then now's the time. Cry out to God. Say, God, reveal yourself to me in a special way. And he will. And he does. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for the word of God. Father, I thank you, Lord, for spiritual sight. That you're the one, Lord, that opens our eyes. God, we, we, we could see nothing if it was not for your grace. We would see nothing, Lord, unless the light shone in the darkness. We would see nothing. But because, Lord, of your great grace, because, Lord, of all that you have done, you've opened our eyes, Lord, to see you, to see, behold your wonders. And I pray, God, not only has you done it for many and for us, Lord, even those that are in this place this morning, maybe they can't relate to this. Lord, manifest yourself. God, reveal yourself, Lord, in the most personal way, God, that men can experience, God, your love and your grace and your power. Let them see the Saviour. Lord, let your child grow and have the, open their eyes, the eyes of their understanding. I pray your blessing upon all this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.